Hello, this is Gary Sheffer, and welcome back to The Crux. This is really a special and fun episode for Mike and I of The Crux. We have three recent graduates of the Boston University College of Communication who are now working in the public relations industry. And, you know, we want to talk to them about their final years as students and first year as professionals with the pandemic, the great resignation, a hyper-transparent, divided, and empowered world, our guests have entered the workplace in a unique and unprecedented time. And our guests are Nicole McPherson. She's an honors graduate and winner of a COM, we call, that's what we call the College of Communication here at BU, of a COM Blue Chip Award in 2020. That's like the I don't know, Heisman Trophy <laughs> of communication students, if you're a football fan. And Nicole is now an account executive at BCW's technology practice in San Francisco. Haley McKee earned a master's degree in PR from Com in 2020, and today is an account executive in corporate reputation at Fleischman Hillard in Washington, D.C., and Jessica Nelson earned her master's degree in PR from Common 2020 as well, and is now an account executive at GCI Health in Atlanta. So let's go to our discussion with Nicole, Haley, and Jess. Welcome to The Crux. Each week, two of the world's top communicators take you behind the scenes of the news of the day to explore the crux of communications that are shaping business, politics, and our daily lives. Hi, this is Gary Sheffer. And hi, I'm Mike Fernandez, and we're glad to be with you from Boston University. Welcome to the Crux. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for having us. It's great us. to be here. Thank you. It's great to have all of you on the Crux. All three of you graduated from Boston University in 2020. Quite a crazy year to be transitioning into the workplace. Nicole, let me start with you. Your senior year as an undergrad, classes were moved to Zoom, social events were canceled, students left campus, graduation ultimately got postponed. How much did that turmoil and uncertainty change how you think about your career in PR? Yeah, absolutely. Much like you said, graduating in a pandemic definitely changed the way our senior year looked to us. But what I think it provided for me was a really valuable example of why I was interested in PR and communications in the first place. You know, we saw firsthand the importance of how brands connected with their employees, their their potential customers, their shareholders. Um, but we saw firsthand, you know, how valuable and strategic they needed to be, which I thought was really, really important. And while it changed the way that, you know, the the current chapter of my life looked, I think it really emphasized, you know, my confidence in the next step that I was going to be taking in my career. You know, it really 
it emphasized and underscored how I wanted to be a part of these strategic conversations and, you know, the critical value that you can bring to messaging and to these engagement opportunities between audiences. So I'm wondering, I don't know if, did each of you have your jobs before you graduated? And and if not, did that create even greater anxiety with everything out there going on in the world? I don't know, Haley, you want to try that? Sure. So I did not have my job before I graduated. As y'all mentioned, I finished up at Com in December 2020. And I remember, if you if you all remember, there was that mass peak in cases around Thanksgiving. And during that time, a lot of people in my cohort were just sending out applications and kind of hoping for the best, hoping to even hear back, whether that was a we're not hiring right now or let's schedule an interview. A response was so valuable during those times. So after graduation, that's kind of the space I was in. I ultimately decided that what was most important to me at the time was picking a place that I wanted to live and starting there. So I actually even moved to DC before I had a job. (laughs) I was interviewing with places in the city, but was just keeping my fingers crossed that the right opportunity would come. And thankfully it did. But yes, that was definitely a lot of uncertainty and kind of a lot of anxiety at that time, for sure. What was the transition like for you, Jessica? The transition was very difficult for me as well. I technically was in Haley's cohort, but I was accepted into a study abroad program. So I ended up graduating at the end of July where it was still peak pandemic. And I remember even trying to apply for many agencies and you would get to the application screen and they would say, we're currently on a hiring freeze, or you couldn't even submit an application at that time. So it was extremely stressful. It was really difficult. Luckily, I was connected by Professor Shefford to Kim LeGrand, who helped me find a job. And I remember at the time, he just kept showing me uh, healthcare agencies. And I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. So once I was connected with him, it was less stressful for sure. And he helped me find my first role. But before that, I just remember applying to so many places And, you know, I can second what Haley said, even getting a response back at that time was really valuable. It just felt like (laughs) your efforts were going into some sort of black hole. You weren't sure if, you know, your resume was piled up in an inbox that people weren't going to check until there was some certainty, but it was definitely stressful. Yeah. Uh, Transitioning now to kind of the workplace today, Nicole, you're working now in in, in the technology practice at BCW out in San Francisco. What's that like these days? Are Are you going into the office, seeing clients face to face? Is it what you imagined? Sure. Yeah. So my work experience up until this point has been primarily remote based. I was at a position prior to to joining BCW and again, you know, all of our our client interactions, all of our, you know, internal interactions with our colleagues, most of those were being held over virtual conferencing mm-hmm. and through email communications. And I think obviously this this experience has definitely been twofold, you know, it currently allows me to to avoid an otherwise two-hour commute into downtown San Francisco on a daily basis, which 
I think we can all agree is definitely a positive. And, you know, that allows me to spend more time working on, you know, whether that be actual account work or, you know, taking a break and, and coming back more refreshed. I think that time is really valuable, but it also comes with drawbacks, you know. I think it's really this experience has siloed us more as employees. You know, we certainly are missing these these opportunities for organic conversations and and natural relationship building with clients and with our internal team members. And I think that can be really challenging to get to know your colleagues as as humans and as friends outside of just the account work or, or certain campaign that you're working on. And I think that that can really feel like a missed opportunity. But again, you know, a very dual-sided experience on both ends. It's really hard to just even remember, and and I don't mean to bring us all down here, but how how dark things were in that period when we didn't know what kind of hiring companies and agencies would be doing in the PR industry, and, and they didn't. And there were layoffs, announcements about layoffs. And and here we are a few years later. And from what I hear in the industry anyway, the search for talent, the war for talent is hotter than ever. Well, by the way, Haley, it's so good to hear your voice again. Loyal listeners, loyal listeners of the crux will recognize Haley's voice. She was my graduate assistant and producer of the crux. You were also a guest on the crux at one point, Haley, right, <laughs> to discuss Com's award-winning awareness campaign. So uh, I think she's our COVID second protocols. double guest. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Haley, the only other double guest we've have, had is the dean oh, wow. of Com, Mariette DiCristina. So there you go. We're going to get you on again so you can one-up her. <laughs> so tell us, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to get to the work question on what you're doing now. But I, 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 I want to build on Nicole's observations about how work is getting done now. In other words, what do you do? Are you in D.C. in the office or, or are you working remotely most of the time? Sure. So our office in D.C. is open. We have a great space that thankfully would allow everyone to spread out as they're comfortable A lot of times people will go in for just putting your heads together for an account. But I think at this point, we are all fluent in Zoom and Microsoft Teams. And so most of the times people are just comfortable working at home. Thankfully, that's where I get to spend a lot of my time. I've really set up quite the home office that's also in my bedroom that really, (laughs) as Nicole said, takes the need out for a commute and gives you more time to work out or to do grocery shopping or whatever it is, a second job for some people. So I really enjoyed kind of the duality and and the freedom that remote work has brought. Terrific. Terrific. Now, you're working in corporate reputation Yes. at a a time when reputations of people, company, companies, governments, even actors are being challenged daily. What are you doing on a day-to-day basis to help clients protect and build reputation in this dynamic environment? So I think the best way to think about that is just looking at what my day looks like. And I sort of can divide it up into three different areas. And first is executive visibility. 
that's been something I've actually fallen in love with while in NBU at Calm and now doing it every day. That is so important, just being able to craft narratives for C-suite leaders as they're trying to find their place, not only within the company, but within all these happenings that are going on in the world. Um, So that's a a big part of it, drafting social, media briefings, I mean, event scripts, all of that just really helps the company kind of find their footing. And it's great to have a say in that. Terrific. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always great to work with senior leaders, too. I mean, that's such valuable. I think so. And it really blows my mind because these are people I look up to, these leaders and even the people they have on their team in-house and on the agency side. Just having that exposure is something I never really thought would have been possible, especially at this age. You know, I'm 24 and just having the experience and the contacts with people that I do through PR has just been crazy and so valuable. So what what would you do if Will Smith called you this morning? <laughs> That's a great question. I think I would say, let's just go back to I Am Legend and remember those good days. <laughs> that was a great film and maybe you should have left it there. <laughs> but what an interesting move on his part. <laughs> uh, Jess, uh, share with us what it's like for you working in an agency that focuses on healthcare, particularly as we've dealt with the pandemic. Does that change the game at all in terms of healthcare PR? I would definitely say so. It's funny because when I finished at Calm, the only elective that I never decided to take was the healthcare specialty class. And I say that a lot because (laughs) I wasn't sure how my interests would line up in the healthcare space. You know, I was so used to seeing the exciting communication that maybe more consumer facing companies were expected to put out to have some sort of public stance and opinion. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, how is this going to happen with pharma? Like how, you know, how can they also find their space while it's appropriate, but also communicating about some of the scariest things happening across the globe right now. But I, regarding COVID, I, you know, it's kind of ingrained in every single thing that we do every day, whether we're writing, you know, a LinkedIn post for a CEO or whether we're doing, you know, an unbranded activation, everything, you know, in everything that we do, there's normally a COVID section, you know, there's some sort of disclaimer, there's some sort of, there's consideration, like even when we wanted to do patient filming, you know, we have to navigate, can we still do this? We're going to have to send in a video kit. You know, we have to be cognizant of their comfortability. So mm. everything that, you know, they were doing, I guess, pre-COVID has changed. And there's so many more considerations and everything has to be viewed with a double lens. You know, you don't want to come across as, you know, the pandemic isn't that big of a deal. And you also don't want the pandemic or COVID regulations to overshadow the message that you're actually trying to convey. So I think it has really been a huge factor in everything. You know, Jess, I, I think, though, I would, you didn't take the health class, but you took my crisis class. So I think that was a really good choice. I think this is leading the witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I am, Mike, totally, yeah. 
and I recognize your objection. <laughs> Isn't that what they say when they, you know, deny? I recognize your objection. But so, Jess, I don't mean to to prompt you, but you know what what did you take away from that, and and how are you applying it in a world where some people believe all management is crisis management these days? You know, that's funny because, you know, being on an agency, everything is a fire drill. So (laughs) I think a lot of the crisis comms that I work has translated. I will say I did work on an account that was called the Black Coalition Against COVID. So we essentially just were trying to, you know, combat disinformation. It was a really special account. It was a low bono account. It was kind of something that we did on the side. And I think a lot of the crisis work was applicable there. You know, we're putting out statements. We're trying to get reputable doctors that would reach our audience. And of course, you just see as soon as a post is up on YouTube, it's like a million and one comments. And we're trying to decide, you know, is it best to, you know, reply? Is it best to put out a statement? So, you know, no matter what we're doing, there's always those moments where you have to pause and put together a strategy, does it make sense to reply to this? Does it make sense you know, that we hold off or address it a different way? So I do think that all the lessons that I learned in crisis communications have translated, you know, big or small. So, so, so take that, Mike. Uh. <laughs> well, it, but, but she's also addressing, I think, something that not enough people in the business think about, and that is sometimes in a crisis, you don't want to give the controversy air, right? So you've you've got to kind of monitor and look at the situation. So I think that that's that's a valuable lesson that that Jess is providing to everyone here. Yeah, monitoring is a huge piece of everything every day, (laughs) always looking out for whatever news or... Right, and then making the appropriate judgment based on what's transpiring. And not just emotion, yeah. So the other side of the healthcare thing is because of the pandemic, this is a little bit of the golden age, I would think, for healthcare PR. I mean, you know, if you look at clearly the brands that were involved in finding you know, the, the, the right vaccination, whether it be Pfizer or any of the other companies, mm. they've kind of gotten a great lift off of this. Just wondering, what's that sensibility inside pharma in general? Is Because historically, you know, pharma was probably one of about three or four industries that oftentimes got battered in the news and battered by public policymakers. What's the current feel in the healthcare industry? Hmm, that's difficult to say. What Maybe this is a hot take, but I do think that, that the pandemic has kind of forced many of the pharma companies to be more vocal. And, you know, everything with pharma is highly regulated even to get out like a simple post on, you know, Twitter, it might take three or four months. And I don't think people realize that. So Mm -hmm. it's really hard to be proactive and not reactive. But what I think that the pandemic did was force a lot of these pharma companies to be center field and to, you know, for the first time be next to any other company that's communicating publicly. And I think now there is some sort of expectation 
that they, you know, try to be more relatable or that they try to be more visible with whatever they're communicating. An example that I can use is when, you know, the riot happened at the U.S. Capitol. One of the assignments that I had was to go and see if any other CEOs were posting or if any other companies were posting because our clients were trying to decide, you know, if they should take a stand on, you know, make a public statement or if they should just, you know, continue as business as usual. Right. So I will say that it has been, you know, since I've started, it has been, you know, inspiring to see that they are starting to care and they are starting to get on the same page of, you know, maybe a more consumer facing company that they need to be proactive about making statements and they do need to be able to read the room. And I think that's really where we come in and help them, you know, with our monitoring and with our, our own takes, it's, it has been exciting to see that. And I think it is a time in the healthcare world where they're pushing more boundaries, even with, you know, campaigns and, and it's kind of exciting. I think it, it's a more exciting place to be in pharma probably than pre pandemic at least in my opinion. Yeah. Jess, that's such an interesting insight and good insight about how regulations, how you communicate in such a heavily regulated environment, such as healthcare, mm-hmm. and, and you have to run everything through so many levels of review, and it may be months and months before you can even put out a tweet. Right? It's a fantastic insight. <laughs> I'm going to ask two rapid fire questions here for all three guests. So as a professor of public relations, I'm interested in why you chose PR as a field of study. Why don't we start with Nicole? Sure. I think it all comes down to the storytelling aspect. I have always been a really strong component of storytelling. You know, reading was a huge part of growing up for me, and it continues to be a huge part of, you know, my daily life and i think that going through boston university's orientation i really connected with the public relations career path as soon as i heard you know kind of what it entailed and how it managed the storytelling and the messaging between companies brands and their audiences i fell in love with having the opportunity to influence that and to participate in those those interactions, I think that's really what it comes down to. And luckily, I've found that that runs true throughout my couple of years in the workforce. I'm finding it to be a really valuable career path so far. Terrific. Terrific, Nicole. Haley? Sure. So I kind of think that I arrived in PR along a broken road. <laughs> I was probably a junior in college, and I decided I wanted to come up to D.C., where I live now, and do a couple of internships because at the time I was going to law school. That's what I was doing. So after those internships, I would go do an LSAT course at night. And it it really just didn't take too long for me to realize that that's not where my passions were. That's just kind of what I thought I wanted to do. But it realistically wasn't for me. So that kind of took a few moments of reckoning. I had an inflection point before my senior year of college that my plan wasn't really going to come to fruition as I wanted. So I sort of just stepped back and looked at what I'd been involved with in college. And a common thread running through all of that was public relations. And I just sort of found myself involved in clubs or doing internships or 
any involvement in the organizations that I was in was naturally just a PR or a comms role. So I was like, okay, that that seems like a good idea to kind of run with it. So I just kind of had to sort of broaden my horizons and sort of learn the different career paths that were actually possible in PR, which is what led me to BU and consequently to Fleischman. So it, it is a broken road. Yeah, terrific. Well, yeah, broken road, that you can probably tell with Haley's accent that she's got a you know, certain part of the country. That sounds like a country yeah. song, you know, taking, you took the broken road to, to PR. Little rascal flats um, for y'all. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Exactly. Jess, how about you? You know, my story is somewhat similar to Haley's. I knew that I wanted to be in a role where I could help, you know, share stories. And, you know, I felt I would feel like I could help people. And I wasn't really sure that that was PR and I didn't know that there was a name for it. You know, I knew that I couldn't be a doctor being a nurse, you know, something more patient facing that wasn't for me. And, you know, I was putting two and two together. I was already volunteering in PR type of roles and my extracurriculars and my volunteer opportunities. And, you know, I kind of had a professor of the practice, as you'd call it, my senior year. And I was like, wait, this is everything that I want to do. And that's kind of how, you know, it clicked for me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Crux. On The Crux, we discuss the intersection of communications, business, and society. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and on our website at The Crux Podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. Terrific. Now, Jess, I'm going to stay with you and ask you, so now that you're working, what's different that than what you expected in your PR career? Once you, you know, what you expected as a student and now that you're a professional, what's different? (laughs) So I think my first experience working was humbling because, you know, we kind of went from drafting apologies for Boeing to drafting like agendas and recaps. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, like where (laughs) where are all these big ideas going? So I think just getting to, you know, recentering myself into doing some more entry level work again, that was definitely more difficult and like who knew that a a recap could have three rounds of revisions so you know I, I I think it was sort of a transition but you know I think the good part of that is that because we were so remote there were so many things thrown at us at all times you know, come join this, come join this Mm -hmm. employee uh, resource group, come join all these town halls that we were having every week. So, you know, it was scary and it was difficult, but I definitely think the transition of relearning all these entry-level skills again and, you know, being able to still translate your interests into your everyday work as an entry-level employee, that was difficult as well. That's excellent, Jess. Hey, Haley, how about you? For me, the biggest transition was I'd always heard that the role or your position doesn't really matter. It's not really about your title and to not really confine yourself to what your title should maybe do on paper. That's kind of what my 
teams were telling me when I was interviewing with my agency was don't get caught up in your title, just kind of see what you want to do and see where it takes you. And that's actually something that maybe was a plus of remote work was even though I was entry level, I was able to throw myself into um, this exec biz stuff that I just said, hey, that kind of interests me. What opportunities do you have? And because I just spoke up, I was put onto a great account where I was leading client calls and drafting stuff for a CEO that, again, seems like a dream at the time. Mm -hmm. So I think just sort of shattering my own expectations of what a job could look like, in short, um, and just kind of expanding and growing as I wanted to for the first time. That was a really cool experience that really exceeded my expectations of where I work. Terrific. Nicole? Absolutely. So I think one of the things that I came to to realize and, and kind of be surprised by during my working experience is how strategically as public relations professionals and as agency partners, we need to educate and work with our clients to think in the way that we are programmed to think about public relations and about you know, how campaigns and, and announcements and things like that can really leverage their position in the industry and be used to connect them with the media and things like that. I think graduating from college, you're coming from a, a career path. I mean, you're coming from classes where everyone is, you know, educated on the importance of public relations and, and is already thinking in that way. So I think one of the learning experiences for me was really just understanding that our client partners, they may not have that that strategic thought process there. And and we have to we have to educate them on that and we have to guide them there. While some of them may have that and that's great, it is it is a challenge that I wasn't anticipating for sure. Well, you know, that's a great lead in to another question, which is, Nicole, what, what skills did you learn at Boston University that are really paying off for you today as you work with clients? Right. I think one of the greatest skill sets that I learned while at Boston University and, you know, going through internship experiences during my time in college was really just the ability to ask questions. And that can be extended with internal relationships within your your organization as well as with clients. I think the more that you can, you know, extend yourself to ask questions and and take the time to to get to know, you know, the client industry or to get to know why upper management is recommending you do something a certain way, the more valuable an employee you're going to be because you're you're taking the time to really understand the why behind all these things. And I think that that was definitely something that I had to learn and hone while in Boston University. I was never, you know, the first one to speak up or ask questions. And, and now I think that that's a really critical part of what I'm doing today. And, you know, I try and incorporate that into every new role that I take on, just, you know, trying to find the value and trying to learn those those extra insights so that I can, I can be more valuable as an employee. Jessica? You know, I would say everything that I learned in my media relations class has been the most directly applicable. You know, that was a class where we practice finding reporters, writing pitches, you know, sending 
a pitch email. So I think that class really paid off. When I came in, I was able to take a stab at doing that for the first time. And my teams were really impressed. Even, you know, I, I think they practiced on scission and maybe muckrack. So that also was a huge help, like already being familiar with those platforms and being able to come in and have some media expertise. That was definitely a skill I wasn't sure if I was going to use right away that I ended up using. So that was a really great class. And all of those skills have come into play almost every day. Haley? Yeah. So for me, one of the reasons, if not the biggest reason why I decided to go to BU for grad school was because there were so many, what Jess said earlier, the professors of the practice. I had never really had that opportunity to learn from people that I wanted to be one day, especially in the PR field. So really, it's, of course, the nitty gritty skills, but I'm really going to talk mostly about my investor relations class, my crisis class, media relations, public affairs, even the business of learning about what goes on behind the scenes and how to submit and respond to an RFP. Um, And even our professional writing class that was so challenging, Jess and I had it together and we were just like, are we ever going to make it through? But (laughs) I mean, all for the best, because I still think about that every day when I'm writing something or when I'm researching something. So all of those classes together, I, I am so thankful I took every single one because I use it every single day. Is there anything that either of you think you could have used a crash course in before maybe you got out into the the field of work that you're in? You know, I would say maybe I should have taken that healthcare class. (laughs) (laughs) Don't break my heart, Jess. I still would have taken yours, but maybe I should have done that. After he sold it so hard before. I did hear good things about that class as well. So if there was more time, you know, that'd be great too. I also wish I could have done a bit more with new biz and understanding how to contribute to an RFP and kind of how that works in the business strategy at agencies, I think would be a really fascinating class if there isn't one already. But I think new business is a, you have to continuously mm-hmm. learn. So I, I just think that'd be a great idea. You know, one of the threads that we've been talking about today is just how crazy the world has, has gone, you know, in, in some frame kind of turned upside down from where it was maybe when all of you were in college. You know, we had the pandemic, but we've also had greater political polarization, we've had racial and societal inequities that have been highlighted. Certainly misinformation and disinformation are seemingly more common in the marketplace. And now we even have a war in Europe. And we talked a lot, both Gary and I in class, about applying purpose to what you do in communications and PR. How can communications be put to better use to address societal challenges now that you're on the other side you've seen all of this commotion and i i guess i'll I'll start with with jess you know i i think it has a lot to do with intentionality and instead of like running from an issue or you know being indecisive being intentional with the statements and the programs that you're delivering and ensuring that there is a quality that you know, is inclusive of everyone. 
and it touches on the issues that affect, you know, their consumers. I honestly, I really do just think it that intentionality is the key there. I, I just think that it's going to take a little longer for companies to catch up. You know, I think that they're trying and I think that we are in a weird space where we're not seeing each other every day and people still want to hear from these companies. They still want to see if they're in tune or if it's business as usual. And I don't think that that's going to go away anytime soon. And I think the more that they continue to communicate about what's going on, you know, whether it, you know, most recently with the war, we received, you know, news that a lot of companies were pausing their businesses. So some of our global partners haven't been working, but our CEO has been communicating what has been going on every single day. And, you know, people at our company have been able to contribute and feel like they're a part of the solution by donating goods, donating money. Mm. I think the over, you know, the idea of over communicating to help address these issues and, you know, leaving nothing to question and being intentional and making sure that you know, all of the stakeholders impacted by the company are, you know, they understand the company's stance and, you know, they support them and they feel valued, seen and heard and, you know, supported. Haley, this would seem to be a question right over the plate for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and something that you undoubtedly deal with. What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I think really just hit on the head about you have about having to have intention something I really enjoyed working on CorpComs is the strategy that goes into it. And I think at this point, of course, it has to be authentic, but organizations need to have their purpose baked into a strategy. It has to be their North Star. And I think that communications plays a big role in making sure the organization's actions check back into that strategy, into that purpose. Their priorities are aligned with that purpose and their leaders are speaking out in according to that purpose that they want their employees to hopefully follow. And this reminds me of a quote that the General Motors CEO and Business Roundtable Chair Mary Barra said, she said, give people a mission and empower them, set them free and they'll do amazing things. It's just so simple to really convey the power of what a purpose can do for a corporation. So that's something I keep in mind definitely every day while I'm communicating on behalf of these organizations. That's a great quote. I, wa I want to, Nicole, build on this a little bit or a in a related question. When I'm talking to students about their careers, they often ask me about how they can find a place to work where, that has the kind of values that match their own. This is a, every student I talk to about their career is very right. interested in that. Do you have any advice? You all three of you work for great agencies, great firms. Uh, how do you figure out where, what the values are of the organization that you're going to work for and whether it's a right fit for you? Sure. Yeah. Over the past few years, like you said, we've seen this huge shift in you know, employees looking to align their professional life with their personal life and their personal values. And I think this alignment is, is a really critical step that the workforce is taking. Um, in my personal experience, I know when I was going through the interview process, that kind of felt intimidating to me. You know, as a, as a 21 year old, 22 year old, 
I didn't really know what what I was looking for out of this this alignment here, but I think it came through through the interview process, you know, really taking the time to use that as an opportunity to get to know the people that you're speaking with and what drives them. I found, you know, in in my first place of employment, they had values that were clearly identifiable. They were all over their website. They spoke to them during the interview process. And again, it was just, it was their North Star, similar to what Haley had just said. And they continued to draw back on that. And I think that was really Mm -hmm. important because it, it did appear authentic. And I think as you know, students are looking to find that, just keeping in mind, you know, are are the employees actually aligned with, you know, what they're saying they are speaking to and, and what they're saying they are working towards? Because if it's not visible within your conversations, then, you know, you might not find that it's visible within the organization itself. So I think that a great place to start is just really being intentional with the conversations you're having with these these organizations and these employees that's a great answer i always recommend or or tell students that remember these interviews are your interviews as well you're interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you and certainly values ought to be at the center absolutely that you have mike i i think we jump ahead here to the future of pr yeah i'd like to hear from from all three yeah yeah so, so I think our audiences can can tell that you are all and will continue to be leaders in the field of public relations. I, I'd like to hear from all of you what you see as the future of PR. And maybe start with Jess. You know, I'm excited about the future of PR. I think we're in a really exciting place where, you know, all companies have to be visible and vocal And, you know, you're seeing it more and more on, you know, Twitter, on TikTok, which is a personal favorite. And I think that, you know, as an agency person, it's part of our job to help expose them and help show them that there's value in being visible on these other platforms that are surpassing, you know, maybe a traditional Facebook post. You know, is the engagement going to be greater on, you know, TikTok or Twitter? I just think it's a really fun time to be in PR. I think that, you know, even in pharma, I found that, you know, over the past, you know, since I've been working here, year and a half, like we've been able to push our own boundaries. You know, our client has been getting on board with a lot of our ideas and our strategies to move forward with more innovative work, with more, you know, daring work, you know, pushing those boundaries. And I think it's a really exciting time to push those boundaries. You know, given everything that's going on, you know, we still have to navigate, you know, the news cycles. You know, there's a war, there's, you know, coverage on gas prices, whatever it is, we're always battling, you know, different, different issues. But overall, like, I'm just excited to be able to be a part of it. I look forward to seeing how companies continue to push those boundaries, how they're getting smarter with their strategies, how they're being more inclusive you know, checking off all the dots, you know, when I first started, we weren't, at least in my field, there weren't many campaigns that they were making, you know, accessible in more than one language. And I've noticed that now, like, we're getting our campaigns in, 
you know, Spanish, maybe in Hmm. Mandarin. Like, so it's just exciting to see how, you know, intertwined and global that these companies can go. And yeah, I think with technology and moving forward and social media, it's just going to help bring us all one step closer together. Nicole, as, as, as a young PR professional in a tech practice, what do you see as the future of PR? Great question. I think working in technology, we are seeing a huge increase in you know the digital transformation push going on within enterprises. And I think looking ahead, you know, PR and technology are going to become increasingly more intertwined. You know, we're going to obviously consumers, you know, they have new expectations. They want more insightful and meaningful interactions with the companies today. And, you know, I think technology is going to be at the forefront of how brands are telling their stories and and ultimately creating those meaningful interactions. We're seeing it right now with personalization and how brands are, you know, more precisely targeting their audiences with the types of content they want to see and the products they want to see. And, you know, Levi Strauss is a great example of this. They are a traditional consumer brand and they're leading with a tech first approach. They have AI and ML in the forefront of their messaging and they're using, you know, data to create insights and assist in business decisions as to which products they're successfully distributing and in which regions they're doing that. And I think all of this is going to lead to greater revenue opportunities. And, you know, I just I just think looking down the line, PR and technology are absolutely going to go hand in hand. So, Haley, you're helping manage corporate reputations. What does the future look like for PR? (laughs) Yes. So I think we'll see the rise of the corporate citizen idea. I think it's going to be increasingly important for companies and their leaders to be accessible and relatable. On top of that, I think corporations will need to sell their value to society as much as their value, their products bring to customers. It's going to be less about that side and more about communicating their transparency and their trust. While, of course, they're still making their shareholders happy, it is going to be about stakeholders as well, increasingly so. I think coming with that is the ESG and CSR and these commitments we're seeing to, I feel like a lot of companies nowadays want to be the most inclusive company in the world. I see that a lot, a lot of agencies too. And I think PR and communications plays a crucial role in all of those. And it just will only become increasingly important going forward. Wow. So just those three answers, Mike, it really is, I mean, it makes me feel proud to be associated with these. Yeah, young- it really rounds out, I think, where where the industry is headed and where these three individuals exactly. are headed. So thank you for being on The Crux. Nicole Fearson, Haley McKee, and Jess Nelson. And I would just encourage you to go out and kick ass in the world (laughs) like you've already been doing. It's really, I'm serious. You guys are just, uh, you make me proud to be a small part of the Com family. So thanks for being on The Crux. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to The Crux. Our producer is Boston University student Anna Huynh. This episode and other episodes are made possible by the Boston University College of Communication, or COM as it is known. Located in the heart of downtown Boston, COM is BU's home to the studies of advertising, emerging media, film and TV, journalism, media science, and public relations. At COM, we seek to build understanding among people through better communication. Find out more at www.bu.edu forward slash com.